Welcome to this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. I am here with James Tassis, CEO of Bismart Australia, who are an organisation that work with SMEs to solve the finance and cash flow challenges of growing businesses. So, um, James, thanks so much for coming up. Um, can you tell us a bit about what you do and how you got into your line of work? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Warwick. Thanks for the, for the invite. Got into into this field um, probably by accident. Uh, left left uh, school uh, when I was around about 15, got into the food and beverage industry, worked my way through, uh, started a company uh, in manufacturing, was in that for, for several years, and then moved into a sales management business. Uh, but during the manufacturing role is probably what led us to where we are now. As we're growing our business pretty much from a grassroots, um, as we were growing the business, I found that business bankers or the banks didn't really have time for the SMEs whilst they were there to sell a product that you wanted. They really didn't have the time to understand your business. So it was more about giving you a product that they had as opposed to explaining to you how to use a product best for for where your business was at. So as we grew from, you know, from a couple of hundred thousand to a million, um, really the advice and assistance wasn't wasn't really there. Then even as we grew from a few million dollars up to six million dollars, whilst the business bankers then or, or the banks wanted to start to play ball with you, I felt that the service still really didn't change that much. So how we sort of fell into where we are now is to really work with SMEs and share the challenges that we had, but more importantly, understand their business and show them how to use the facilities that that we specialise in being trade and debt of finance. So would it be right in saying rather than just providing, getting people some money and and leaving them alone, you actually, uh, which may treat the symptom of, of cash flow challenges, yeah. Um, you you help get under the bonnet and, and, and work with them to to fix the, the cause of their cash flow challenges. Yeah. No, 100%. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we do. It's it's not about putting in a trade and debtor facility because uh, anybody can do that. It's about helping them understand what a trade facility can do or a debtor finance facility can do for their business and then how they can make sure that they best use that or best understand it. Great. So one of the things out of, out of today's episode, I want our listeners to be able to come away understanding how they can use a trade or debtor facility to grow their business and use it cost effectively and, and to you know, increase cash flow and also profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but first and foremost, for those of us that might be listening that aren't quite sure. What What is a trade facility and what's debt of finance? Like what's in layman's terms? Yeah, what what uh, are those two things? In a nutshell, trade facility works at the back end of the business, so it helps bring in the supplies of the product. Uh, and debt of finance is on the front end, so where you can, you know, you're getting 80% of your invoice value within 24 hours um, from delivery of goods or proof of delivery. Okay. So debt of finance is receiving money from you know, from your invoices, trade finance is helping uh, pay your suppliers in a more timely manner. Okay. So you're a business and you're not the only person that offers trade facilities um, or, or debt of finance, but 
there's a cost to this thing. So how do how do small business owners use these facilities? You mentioned sometimes banks or they can offer mm-hmm. these facilities and then we'll, we'll leave it at that. So have you got any examples about how businesses have used these facilities to really grow their business? Yeah, sure. Um, so one just recently, uh, I, I won't mention the name of the company, but they're a coffee roasting company. Uh, obviously, coffee beans is predominantly their, their main supplier of product. They were paying their supplier, which is a local distributor here in Australia or here in, uh, in Sydney, uh, within, you know, sort of 40, 60, sometimes plus days from invoice. It was getting to the point where the supplier, you know, was holding back on, on supplying the coffee beans, which therefore puts you know, pressure on the business. So what we did first and foremost is we, we understood their business firstly and then we looked at a trade facility that would best work for them. Once we put the facility in place, we then showed them how to best use that and we didn't tell them. We actually came in and, and worked with them and showed them how to do it to the point of where I actually went out and met with their, their core supplier for the coffee beans and we helped negotiate a better price. So what we did in that instance is once we had the trade facility available, so we had the funds sitting there in the account ready to pay suppliers, we then went and negotiated and said, listen, if Mr. Supplier, if we're to pay you within 21 days from invoice, uh, you know, what, what discount or what rebate? can you give us? We ended up negotiating a 7% discount if we were to pay 21 days from invoice. So what that meant is they were spending around about $600,000 a year in coffee beans, which means by doing that and just understanding the facility and then understanding what you can do with available cash or cash flow, uh, we saved the company forty two grand a year. Whilst the facility, the rate, the interest rate was around about 10.9% per annum, uh, which, you know, that, that probably worked out to be maybe not, not 10.9% on the actual value of the invoice because all depending then how quick you then paid your, um, you know, the finance year back. So you're probably sitting in front. The, the net saving basically covered or more than covered the cost of the interest for the facility. Yeah, yeah, it would, it would um, have come close. Um, yeah. Even and if it doesn't cover the full cost of the facility, it's the strength of where it puts the business in. So even if it, if even if you reduced it where you were only paying, the facility was only costing you maybe 3 or 4%, the advantage or the strength that it put this particular business in, after nine months, they were in a position then to actually move and start importing their own coffee beans, which then save them an extra 15 20%. And, and significantly increase their margins, I oh, imagine. massive, so, yeah. So, so there's that domino or that roll-on effect. And that's one of the great things about having your cash flow in order. You can jump on these opportunities. Mm. So when you're chasing your tail, struggling to make ends meet, you can't jump on these opportunities as they present themselves. So mm. for small business owners, that could be an acquisition, it could be a bulk purchase via an importer, could be even a bit of plant equipment that may be going for a song, but if you haven't got your affairs in order and your cash flow in order, you just have to miss out on what can often be a great deal. So, <laughs> I always found that cash flow was one thing that made the mind run. <laughs> yep. It was one thing that always just, one thing that just made you feel uncomfortable and 
yeah, you, you weren't thinking as, as clear as when things were in order. Definitely, and, and that cloudy thinking can then stop you being mm. really focused and, dare I say, get getting to the contest in your small business because you're worried about other issues. So that's a couple of examples where you can really use your, this facility or this type of facility to grow. Um, the other thing that I, I think benefit the, of, of clients that are using this is definitely it really can consolidate your client relationship or your supply relationships to a point where if if you're consistently paying 90 you know 90 plus days on, on later than when you should be paying often businesses can be really exposed they they could be one one phone call or one decision away from an accounts payable department to turn off their business of course and if they haven't got this they, they're really exposed that they, they may not be able to supply their product and it could be game over for the business so mm. um any thoughts around other benefits of of, of this type yeah, of solution just because this facility uh, is in place doesn't necessarily mean you have to use it for every supplier so it can be used for specific suppliers so that's why i always say let's look at you know, our, our top 10 suppliers or maybe your top five or depending on your business could be the top 20 again or depending on your style of business. And that's something that we like to sit down with the business and understand and then have a look at saying, okay, we're forward to streamline this part of the business. This is going to give us X amount of dollars. Um, so, yeah, probably on that side it would be more around – Yes, streamlining streamlining where you're going to focus, but you don't necessarily need to use it for every supplier. Yep. So just just like in most things with business, yeah, your eighty twenty rule, you focus on your exactly. top twenty yep. percent, and that's where you're going to get the majority. You can use it for every supplier, but it's not necessary. Not necessary. Yeah. Great. So I'm going to put on my accountant hat on now. <laughs> uh, getting your cash flow sorted is incredibly important. Uh, typically. I'd imagine a lot of the time people, when they come to you, they may be feeling a little bit of pain around their cash flow. What are the sorts of things that you would need to be able to help people? Or, or what's, first up, what's an example of the type of business or some examples of the type of business that you think you can help? And then what would you need from them or their accountant yep. so that you can actually start to see if there's, there's a deal sure. there to be done to help them? Uh, general sort of uh, accounting information would be obviously ATO portals, uh, which your accountant you know can, can provide. Uh, age receivables, uh, age payables, uh, the last two years financials, and an invoice of if you're looking at data finance, a, a general invoice or a general type of. Uh, con note or proof of delivery just so we can get under a quick snapshot of the business without really sort of sitting down and together I mean this this gives us a a generic type of information that we can sort of sit down have a look at and say okay this is where we're at this is the type of facility that we feel could work for you great so none of what you said there should be that intimidating for a small business owner to provide that's everything that Um, they should they uh, should or would already have available. Yeah. And even if they don't have it available, like if they if they haven't done their financials, it's nothing for them to stress about because small businesses, we see a lot where people would generally not want to ask for help because they might be embarrassed that this isn't up to date or that's not up to date. That's actually a good thing if it's not up to date because 
then you can sort of sit down and understand, well, what does it mean if I do get these things up to date? I can have a chat to my accountant. And then once that's ready, then I can look at doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. I can look at trade. I can look at debtor or or maybe even another facility. Um, so, yeah, it's it's irrelevant as to where the business is at, I feel, because I think something good always comes out of just making sure that you've got those things available. Definitely. So having access to those numbers, again, that's just a foundation to, exactly. to making some good decisions, yep. which people that have worked with myself in the past will know probably bang on about yeah. a lot, but... You, you, you just need it. Mm. Now, that information also works to, you know, we've talked about how you can use this to grow your profits. Mm. The underlying business needs to be able to hold, stack up, right? It, it needs to be a, a viable venture on its own. Mm. So this type of facility isn't going to, it's not a, a magic solution. It's just really, really helping growing businesses rather than unprofitable businesses, which yeah. I think it's important for the, our listeners to appreciate because they've got bigger problems if, if they are unprofitable. Yeah. Um, certainly using this as a way to drive the profits is mm. is could be could be a great thing, though. Um, I love the idea about being buying in bulk and going straight to the supplier Same rather than eliminating the wholesale. Mm, exactly, and yeah. jumping on those opportunities and without cash or, or cash flow, those opportunities just walk straight past you. That's it. So thanks for that, James. Now, what would you say is the an example of an industry that would typically use trade finance um, or a trade facility and an example of someone who typically would benefit from debtor funding? No, it's a good question because it's quite broad. Uh, you know, we've, we've put trade facilities in place for pharmaceutical companies that are buying their drugs from from overseas. Um, you know, so it could be something as like a pharmaceutical, it could be a concrete company where they're looking at streamlining and making sure that they pay their, their concrete supplier in time. Or it could be a manufacturing company. Uh, it could be an importing business. So anybody that, that buys something that is tangible, then you've, you've got a good case for a trade facility. You can't use trade facility for service. Um, it's more for something tangible. So whether it's concrete or whether it's like a pharmaceutical buying their, you know, their drugs and things like that, um, or a manufacturer buying flour. So anything like that, if that's the soul of your business, then trade is, trade is suitable. And uh, say for a debtor? Debtor facility? finance is only for B2B business. So businesses that are dealing with other businesses. So it's not business to consumer. Uh, because the financier takes debtor finance or the invoice as security. So debtor finance, you know, they don't take your house as mortgage or as security, anything like that. So they use the invoicing as security. So, yeah, generally for invoice finance is B2B. Okay. And that was going to be my next question. So what sort of security are people looking for? So you can actually use the your, your actual the value of your debtors as security in the case of debtor financing? Yeah, so that, that's the way I like to work as well. Let the business stand on its own two feet. Wherever we can use the business as security, I like to go down that road. I think that, you know, uh, a lot of business owners have already put their blood, sweat and tears into their business. So if we can look at using um, the business and the strength of the business as security, then that's the way we move. Uh 
So real estate or real estate is, is not for debt finance? That. No, trade finance. Sometimes you may have to use. You may have to have security. However, there are ways around that if the business is solid, the style of business. And again, that's where we come into it, and that's where we sit down with yourself in the business and and understand where they're at and then really put that case forward to a financier so it's making sense as opposed to where a lot of people may just put put their own business forward to a bank and probably not because they understand their business, they just assume other people will. Where we like to put it all out, we like to explain the strengths of where the business is, where it's going and, you know, the results of what we're going to achieve by having these things in place. There's a whole lot more that you do, but we, we won't try to condense that into a, uh, a 15, 20-minute podcast. But if you're happy to answer a few more questions, so look, about you personally, sure. um, what's, what do you like the most about your job and what's the most rewarding part of your job? Oh, geez, I love small business. I love business. So I've had a love for business ever since I was about 18. I like achieving what sometimes feels the unachievable. Uh, I think I've learned more in my life uh, as a businessman about when I have my back against the wall (laughs) and I like to share those experiences and I feel that's when you learn the most as a business person and when you sort of come out of those things. um, You know, anybody can manage anything when it's doing well, but managing something or coming out of uh, a not-so-good situation, uh, I think that's what moulds you into the person you are and... That's a part that I enjoy. Uh, so I love sharing those sort of those stories and working with small businesses. Definitely, and I, I agree with you there. You, winning is actually, in a football sense, is, mm. covers a, a multitude of sins just because you've won, whereas losing forces you to really examine and reflect, and, yeah. and there's a hell of a lot of learning that comes from, from that. Mm. Um, and if you know, it's one of the things I enjoy also out of small businesses sharing some of the you know i've been through some good and bad times as well and helping people to minimize those harder times and and get them on the right side of the the scoreboard that's that's really fun yeah exactly so this is the get to the contest small business podcast so for you and your business what are the critical things you focus on on a daily basis critical things that we focus on and one thing that i always tell my team is we get to understand the customer, know your customer. Um, don't worry about what you what you can do or what you can sell to them or or how you can how you can help them. Before you get to that point, you need to understand your customer. You need to understand their business. While you may have done a deal or you may have worked with a customer in a similar style of business, and you know it could be practically identical. I guarantee you, somewhere along the line, it's not. So, you know, you've got to ask the question. You've got to get to know the customer and you've got to generally, you've got to generally care. Uh, if you do that, then the relationship starts off really well uh, and, and that's how we've built our business. So, yeah, understanding our customer, asking the questions. That makes sense. And you've got this business and also had a, a, a number of other businesses during the course of your, what's still quite a young life, but look, What's the best piece of financial advice you've ever been given and why? Best piece of financial advice? Um, probably I think what, what we preach, 
getting a getting a facility in place it's like you know you're talking about the get to the contest and and football you can go into a rebel store and and buy the best boots and and the best ball and walk out on that field and expect the the boots to make you run fast and the ball to bounce in the perfect spot and go through the (laughs) go through the goalpost but it doesn't um, work (laughs) it doesn't work it comes down to training it comes down to the little things, understanding where to kick the ball, and and those just just those little things, and, and business is exactly the same. Finance is exactly the same, and, and I think that's where we try and separate ourselves. And I use the trade facility as the best example. Is we can put a trade facility in place, but what are you going to do with it? You got to work it. Don't just assume that it's going to do the work for you. It's not. And if you want it to work and you want to get the most out of it. It's like it's like training. You're not going to be the best if you don't train, or if you don't put effort in, or if you don't ask the questions. So that would be probably mine. Just don't assume and work right. it. and work it. So the job's not done just when the facility's in place. That's exactly. actually when the job starts. That's when the, <laughs> That's exactly what I say. I, I said that to to that to the coffee roasting company because they were in a world of hurt uh, at the time when we first met with them, and. I said to them, once the facility was in place, I said, all right, guys, I said, now the fun begins. And that's exactly what I meant. Now, we've seen, and it may not be in your business, it might just be a general thing that you've seen. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen some businesses make? <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've also done a lot. <laughs> um, the biggest mistakes. I don't know if there's biggest mistakes or smallest mistakes. But for me, I think... You learn from everything. Um, I would probably say it would be understanding the, understanding your customer for, for me. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is understand your customer. And if we don't understand our customer, then how can we possibly service them at the level that they need? Yeah, and sometimes if you understand your customer, you can do one of two things. You know exactly what they need and how you can help, or more importantly, for you and for them not to waste time. I mean, if you physically can't help them, um, then you're doing everybody a favour. But if you're really going to help them and you do have a product uh, or a service that can assist them, yeah, get to know them. And and the, the more streamlined you can make that process, you can eliminate the, the people that are not in your niche yep. and then f- therefore allocate more time to the really exactly. good yep. people that are in your niche and that, mm. that can benefit from your help. Yeah. Is there a book or movie that's influenced your life? Again, it doesn't have to be business. No, no. Uh, I would probably say the the Wolf of Wall Street. I really enjoyed the Wolf. And the Wolf of Wall Street when he made when he was making those comments to to his staff. You know, if you if you if you can't pay that bill, get on the phone. If you can't, you know, afford that holiday, get on the phone. What I like about that is it's in business as well. You know, like if if we're not meeting the sales, if we don't have that revenue, get on the phone, get out there, understand your customer. You know, like just put the effort in. Business will not come to you if you're not willing to accept it in. So put the effort in. That is probably one of my favourite parts of that movie yeah. is if something's not going your way, then get on the get phone on. or get out there, book meetings, you know. Yeah. Makes sense. And obviously there's a few... Uh 
other parts of that movie that maybe <laughs> don't align. Yeah, 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 I know. That's, that's what I thought and, of and, probably. But yeah. No, no, that, that's, a, that's a great lesson and, and um, remind me I want an invite to your, your Christmas party this year because <laughs> it should be a belter. No. So but it's very, it, it sounds so simple, but that is that is an example of getting to the contest. Yeah. Don't worry about anything else. If you need more need more leads or whatever, whatever it is that you're after, if yeah. the solution is to get on the phone, just do it. Yeah. And and don't worry about anything else. Just keep making those calls. Mm. Any advice you'd give yourself from 20 years ago? Um, persistence. Persistence and just believe. But believe in what you're doing. You're either, being, you're either selling or being sold to. If you believe in what you do and the service that you have or the business that you have, then you're doing an injustice to the person next to you if you can help them out. Let them know. Tell people about your business. Talk about it. Praise it. Sell it. Because if you believe in it, then you're doing them an injustice by not having them work with you. And that was one thing that has taken me a long time to get into my head, that it's okay to sell if you believe and if you're making a difference. I really like that because so many people and so many small business owners out there, they're in business but they are afraid to put get out they're afraid to make the phone calls they're afraid to actually ask for the sale and it, it's not an easy thing uh, i don't know if it's an australian cultural thing or, or not but i think people it's... don't generally people don't like rejection and then also people don't like oh you know i don't like being sold to so therefore i don't really like selling to people there's nothing wrong with selling to people if you believe in what you do wholeheartedly agree well, James, thank you so much for sharing on today's podcast. For those that may want to get in touch with you, um, what's the easiest and best way? Uh, two ways. You can give, give Warwick a call through, through the Fox Group uh, or alternatively you can get onto our website, bismartaustralia.com.au or straight to bismartfinance.com.au and yeah. give us a call and I make it my my job to make sure that any customer that, that we work with, uh, I get out there and meet. So uh, hopefully anybody listening, uh, look forward to catching up and seeing where we can work together. Awesome. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Thanks, Rory. So a couple of learnings from my chat with James. One, understand your business and use your facility to drive growth. So that means be familiar and understand what the extra cash will allow you to do and have that in place so that you can go and seek new opportunities because without having your cash flow in order, you will miss out on these opportunities. Number two, make the facility work for you. Now, don't do it for all suppliers. Just target your top 20% and get out there and see if you can work with your suppliers to gain a significant reduction in your, in your costs um, just by offering to guarantee certain ter- payment terms. So it's amazing what you can get if you are an ability, if you have an ability to get out there and guarantee someone some certainty around their cash flow, they will give you a discount in many cases. Number three, James mentioned this one, learning more from your losses. So take the opportunity to sit back, reflect when times are tough, keep a diary, make notes, make sure that you don't put yourself in that position again. Because when everything's going well, anyone can run a business. It's when times are tough that you really are showing your value as an entrepreneur, as a leader, to guide the business out of tough times. Number four, and this was uh, an unusual one, but I really liked it from James, and that's learn from the wolf of Wall Street. And by that, it's 
if something's not working or going your way, get on the phone and make it happen. Don't wait for the phone to ring. Do yourself a favour, get out and watch The Wolf of Wall Street. There's plenty of good learning opportunities in there and it's a great, fun movie to watch as well. James's get to the contest moment or get to the contest learning for his business equally as applicable to many of our businesses. It's know your client first, understand them, build relationships before you prescribe any solutions. Now, a mentor of mine has mentioned before you get out in business, you really need to have a PhD in what your client's or your target client's problems are. So if you're an expert in that, they will come to you and you will be able to help them. And if you really believe that you're in a good space to help them, they will actually pay you a premium for doing a great job and helping them out. So really, really like that one from James. So there you have it. They're my key learnings from this week's episode of the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Sing out, check out the website, gettothecontest.com or feel free to contact me at Fox Group and would love to hear some more questions and more feedback. Thank you.